0: On this episode of the GESC podcast, we will be discussing Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory. And not just the show itself that's happening right now at The Great Escape, but the source material, too. Actors to your places, podcast listeners to your earbuds, join us as we make our great escape. Truman Capote. Now, I'm a little embarrassed to admit this, but uh, as a person who has been reading for quite some time and reading intensely and with intention, I am working on my master's degree in literature. Today was the first day I actually sat down and read a piece of his work. Now, most people I know are familiar with in cold blood. Those of us who are involved with this production of A Christmas Memory are of course aware of the story itself but today was the first day I sat down and read through a piece of his work and I was absolutely spellbound the whole time. Uh, I was so excited uh, about the reading, I wanted to share a selection with our audience here, with you and get a chance to discuss kind of a miniature review or my thoughts on the subject. Uh, Needless to say, There uh, won't be any spoilers, I promise, because this is a podcast trying to get you to come to our show, so of course I'm not going to spoil the ending of the performance itself, but I will read one or two pages from the very beginning of the story. So if you're the kind of person who wants to go in totally, totally cold, then listen for maybe another 30 seconds uh, and then turn off the podcast and listen to it after you've seen the show. The short story was originally published back in 1956, and since then there have been many adaptations, as well as a few sequels written by Capote himself. There have been different types of stage adaptations of A Christmas Memory. The particular version that we're doing at The Great Escape premiered in 2010. The book was by Dwayne Poole, music by Larry Grossman, and lyrics by Carol Hall, orchestration by Steve Orrick. There was a production that came out prior to this that combined... A Christmas Memory and Thanksgiving Visitor, both stories by Capote, both featuring many of the same characters, but the one that we're doing focuses just on A Christmas Memory. One reason why this show is so near and dear to The Great Escape, aside from it being wonderfully written and very touching, of course, is the fact that The Great Escape was the first theater in Michigan to produce this show. So a couple years ago, back in our old space, the first time you could see Truman Capote's A Christmas Memory on stage was right here in Marshall, Michigan at The Great Escape. So as I warned you before, now's the time to turn off the podcast if you don't want to hear any of the story, if you want to come in completely a blank slate when you sit in the audience and enjoy the production, uh, because I do want to take some time to read a little of the source material to you and then share my thoughts on it afterwards. So, without any further ado, A Christmas Memory by Truman Capote. Imagine a morning in late November, a coming of winter morning more than twenty years ago. Consider the kitchen of a spreading old house in a country town. A great black stove is its main feature, but there is also a big round table and a fireplace with two rocking chairs placed in front of it. Just today, the fireplace commenced its seasonal roar. A woman with shorn white hair is standing at the kitchen window. She is wearing tennis shoes and a shapeless gray sweater over a summery calico dress. She is small and sprightly, like a bantam hen. But due to a long, youthful illness, her shoulders are pitifully hunched. Her face is remarkable, not unlike Lincoln's. Craggy like that, and tinted by sun and wind. But it is delicate, too, finely boned and her eyes are sherry-colored and timid. Oh my, she exclaims, her breath smoking the windowpane. It's fruitcake weather. The person to whom she is speaking is myself. I am seven. She is sixty-something. We are cousins, very distant ones, and we have lived together, well, as long as I can remember. Other people inhabit the house, relatives, and though they have power over us and frequently make us cry, we are not on the whole too much aware of them. We are each other's best friend. She calls me Buddy, in memory of a boy who was formerly her best friend. The other Buddy died in the 1880s, when she was still a child. She is still a child. As this is a very short story, I'm going to stop right there because I want to just pique your curiosity enough to let it lead you to our little theater. Or, if you are unable to make it, there's a fantastic recording of Truman Capote himself reading this. It's on YouTube for free if you look it up. It's fantastic. The man has such an amazing voice, not just as an author with his word choice, but also with his delivery as well. So my thoughts, my review of this story here. I was taken a little off guard because the beginning, as you hear, begins so simply and is focused so much inward on the home And then, slowly but surely, as you hear, we begin to learn little bits and pieces of characters. And for the most part, that's how Capote describes his characters, through their memories, through their relationships with one another, through little quirks, little quotes. And the way that we see each other, we don't necessarily describe each other in the kind of exposition dumps that you see in, I would say, careless writing. And Truman Capote is by no means a careless author. Every little detail that he shares has some kind of significance and reveals something about his characters in a way that is so subtle that when it all kind of comes together in focus, you're absolutely blown away by how much you know about these characters. They're just little interactions and little, little little bits of those characters that are shared with us throughout the piece. Capote's use of detail is not just limited to character, however, as different objects and different things that inhabit the rather small world of buddy, are all given much attention. For instance, a buggy is described as made of wicker, rather unraveled, and the wheels wobble like a drunkard's legs. An excellent example of one of the many on-point similes that Capote chooses to use throughout his work. So, all in all, I highly recommend the short story. Whether you want to wait until after the show, or if you really can't help yourself and want to dive in, by all means, go ahead. It is a fantastically, masterfully written piece, and I have been told that the book for the musical, that the production itself is so true to the source material and is so true to that same kind of feeling of familiarity and that kind of intimacy that you get from the short story that I cannot wait to go see the production. So we're approaching our last weekend here, the 14th through the 17th, Thursday through Saturday shows, as always, are at 7 p.m., and Sunday's matinee is at 2 p.m. And as I may have peeked at our reservation books, I highly recommend that as soon as you hear this, you call and you make your reservation, so that way you can ensure that you get a chance to watch this fantastic show. And speaking of reservations, as always, if you would like to make a reservation for one of our shows, give us a call at 269-781-2700. For further details about our shows, please check out GreatEscapeStageCompany.com. We'll have updated season information coming your way soon, I promise. If you would like to follow us on Facebook, give our page a like and a share. And while you're there, check out Veronica Louise Photography. She does our photos for us, and she did a fantastic job of taking some shots for this production. So thank you so much, Veronica. Kyle Booth, as always, does our music. And I am Antonio Barroso. Thank you so much for joining us.